When I first did this recording the other day, I was sitting on a dock at Lake of Bays. It was so beautiful. It was this lovely breezy day, and unfortunately it was so breezy that the whole podcast became this mess of wind and craziness, and I forgot to put my phone on Do Not Disturb, and so a bing came through. And sometimes it's okay to show up like that, and sometimes it's just really not. And so here I am in the quiet of my kitchen, re-recording this podcast. But I want to tell you a little bit about what that day was like. Sitting on the dock, there was this duck that swam past me. Waves were up, there was going to be a storm the next day, you could feel it coming in. The leaves were turning with their backs toward the sky. My grandmother always said that that was a sign of rain coming. I spent a lot of my growing up in Algonquin Park, and so a lot of my first knowing about weather and life came from nature and the things that my grandparents would point out to me. So one was if the leaves were turning their undersides up, then it was a sign that it was going to rain. And the other was that we would see these barn swallows. They'd swoop down over the water and pick up water spiders, and that was always a good sign of rain. I don't see the barn swallows anymore in Algonquin. They used to stay in our boathouse. My friend Shelley, her mom Diane, would tell me that when you can see mare's tails in the sky, like those swoopy clouds that look like they've been combed, that means there's going to be rain in 24 hours. I love those things. I find them grounding. The way that you can read nature. It reminds me that I'm in relationship, and it reminds me that we are not alone. I think of the word system, and how the word itself implies that there are multiple parts that are working together, and all are incredibly important. My partner a few years back had a quadruple bypass. So like most of these events, it started with a very mild heart attack, and he didn't even know he was having it. And then it led to him in the hospital figuring out what had to be done. And they said, okay, we're going to do a triple bypass. And once they were in, they realized it had to be a quadruple. So in this process, they remove a vein or an artery from the patient's leg, and they use it instead of what's happening in the heart, instead of the vein or the artery that's stuck and, uh, and blocked. So it's sort of like when we take a highway and we reroute around a town to bypass. We're giving a different way to get the blood through, to get the traffic through. What's really fascinating to me, though, is to understand that the reason that we can do that is because we have an excessive number of veins and arteries. We have more than we need. And actually, it's the same with the nerves. So think of a patient with multiple sclerosis. Their nerves start to atrophy and die off, but there are other nerve pathways that the body starts to use instead. So then it can still try to get the messages through. It just uses a different bypass. Of course, those eventually with MS do also atrophy. But isn't it amazing to understand that we are so resilient and that nature is so resilient that we will find alternate routes to do the same thing. We are part of this amazing ecosystem 
when I was sitting on that dock, I would, I saw this mixed forest. It was the 24th of August, so I could see that some deciduous trees were beginning to change. But it was still hot. I could feel the sun on my skin. It was definitely still summer. You know, the ducks ran by like, hey, you got any bread for me? It's this relationship that I get reminded of that allows me to feel like I belong again. I have a couple of mentors, and I just saw one the other day that I haven't seen for 12 years. So I'll talk about him in another podcast because he always gives me amazing tidbits to think about. The other mentor is one that I'm lucky enough to have right in this town where I live. She's an osteopath, and she's been an osteopath for decades. So when either my osteopathic friend Colleen or this other mentor, Frank, say something to me about the body, they have this inner sense or this sight that when they say something that they know about the body, it sends me spiraling into this abyss of curiosity. It just lights me up because what they see is this interrelated connectivity that I've never thought of in that way, right? We all see things differently. It's so important that we have these mentors. So Colleen, my osteopath friend, sent another friend of mine this thing about the heart. Whenever I hear the heart spoken about by someone, whether it's from an energetic perspective, physical perspective, or an emotional perspective, they all tell me something I've never heard before. And that makes me understand that the heart is an incredibly complex and versatile organ and that there are multiple ways of seeing its function. And isn't that incredible? So this thing that Colleen sent to my friend Barb, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but the idea is that the heart has multiple rhythms. It's not just that the beat that we all think about and our heartbeat but it's actually a complex, multiply rhythmic center. And the more rhythms we actually have, the healthier the heart is. Not like murmurs, but true pulses, beats, rhythms. Here's the other part though. Those rhythms are the pulses. What happens is the heart imprints that rhythm or pulse into the blood and that imprint that communication flows through your body as a message so did you know that your heart actually sends more messages to your brain than your brain sends to your heart just think about that one for a second your heart sends more messages to your brain then your brain sends to your heart. So in chakra language, we think about the heart, and this is a little bit boring from Ayurveda as well, we call it the site where our thoughts get organized because in the heart chakra is air, and air can organize or disorganize our minds and our thoughts. So doesn't that make sense that if each heartbeat is imprinting a message in your blood, it is also organizing 
what is happening throughout your mind and body because your mind is not in your brain. You know that, right? It's everywhere. So think about like a fax or what about those of you that are as old as I am, a telex where these messages would be imprinted into carbon paper and then you would read that message to know what to do. So that's how we organize our thoughts. And that's how we organize what our body is up to. When the winds are picking up, which they do in late August, the Vata winds, when the leaves are starting to change, we know that Vata is coming. And a Vata imbalance of air and ether, mostly air, primarily destabilizes the organization of our thoughts. And there is that air that sits in your heart center, this complex brain in your heart, this complex nervous system within your heart. As the Vata winds pick up, we need to manage our own wind inside. Can you take a moment to think about the rest of the world before we go into even our own imbalances? The rest of the world is really windy, noisy. We need to balance inside and create a sense of peace and organization within. In breath work, you can start to manage your breath in a different way, harnessing the wind inside when you inhale. So I want you to feel, when you inhale, the respiratory diaphragm pushing down into your abdomen. So it makes your abdomen expand. When you exhale, you draw in through the belly softly. The diaphragm relaxes back up towards your lungs. Inhale, respiratory diaphragm pushes down. Add another one. So does the diaphragm in your pelvic floor. So when you inhale, I want you to feel the muscles of your pelvic floor pushing down. When you exhale, there's a soft releasing of the diaphragms up and in. So respiratory diaphragm toward the lungs, pelvic floor diaphragm into the abdomen. Now add a third diaphragm. When you inhale, feel the expansion downward of those bottom two diaphragms. And now also feel the upward expansion around your collarbones, and around the tops of the shoulder blades. When you exhale, feel the drawing in of the belly, the upward pull of the diaphragms and the lower end of the body, and then at the collarbones, a soft drawing down. Your collarbones spiral open, up and open on this diaphragm. The shoulder blades are able to glide down your back as you exhale. This is such a brilliant symphony within. Inhale, feel the expansion up and down of lower and upper diaphragms. Exhale, feel the gentle drawing in, the bones of your torso streaming down, so ribs, blades, pubic bone, tailbone toward each other. 
I am someone that lives with very tight fascia. And I've come to understand that it's a lot about fear. Think about what happens to you at 2.30 in the morning. Do you remember that moment when the thoughts were bordering on apocalyptic? So in at 2.30 in the morning, you are sure that the sky is going to fall in. What if I go bankrupt? What if Josephine really hates me when all the evidence points to the opposite? But at 2.30 in the morning, it doesn't matter. And 2.30 in the morning is your highest vata time. You are sitting in what if. So I've come to realize that I have a deep inner wrapping, a deep inner contraction, a perpetual contraction based in fear of what if. So I could label that trauma, I suppose. We've all experienced some form of trauma in our childhood and some so much greater right, than others. But we have all experienced some level of trauma. And the lesson in it was hang on tight because something else is coming. This big set of rapids is coming and you don't want to be caught by surprise again. So just hold on. No muscle in your body, no tissue in your body should ever perpetually hold on. Not a single one. Every cell based in fascia, based in muscle, needs the freedom to expand and contract. Expand and contract. If we are living in what if, so here's another example. Everything is going really well. You're in this moment in your life where things are rolling and you spend the whole time waiting for the other shoe to drop. So isn't that kind of like you've shot this really extreme set of rapids. You've got through it. You are in the calm pool enjoying the quiet repairing the hull, mending the sails. But instead of doing that, you're spending the whole time worrying about the next set of rapids. We need to mend the hull. We need to sew up the sails. We need restoration. Because it's not sustainable to spend your time in the calm pool worrying about the next set of rapids. We're given that time to rest. And I promise you that your guardian angels, your inner committee of wise souls, your spirit helpers, they're all standing around saying, please, could you just trust us? Because the antidote to what if, vata what if, is to really see and understand what is. And those guides, those wise selves, they're just standing around with all this abundance, all this love. Can you just trust us? Can you just see that there are signs of rain tomorrow? The leaves are turning up, the wind is picking up, the mare's tails, clouds are there. But it's not raining today. 
I don't need my umbrella today. My arms can be free. I am in the moment before the storm that is calm air. I'm sitting out and taking vitamin D in through my skin. I know that tomorrow will be different, but what is today is really beautiful. And if I can sit in what is, what truly is, I will breathe more fully. And if I can breathe more fully, my diaphragms are going to move in a more profound and productive way. And I'm going to have this inner disruption of that tight fascial adhesion inside. When I extend my exhale and I feel that deep inner undulation, I think of the diaphragms like jellyfish or stingrays. So these jellyfish or stingrays, these diaphragms in my body are conspiring together to swim. They're releasing these bungee cords of, of mis, misunderstanding, misdiagnosis, of fear. When you extend your exhale, here's the magical part. The vagus nerve sends a serum to your heart. That serum is in the heart is imprinting into your blood. In that imprint, the message is to slow down, to calm the nervous system. We have set the world on such a mad axis, on such a path of chaos, that we now need to learn what it is to actually relax because relaxation is foreign. But relaxation is where our systems will thrive. They will heal. The sails will mend. You know, climate change and this whole idea of the world's heat increasing is not solely felt in the earth. It is also felt in our rising rates of inflammation. And these rising rates of inflammation spur on disease process after disease process. Think of autoimmune disorders, cancers, obesity, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's. These things are based in inflammation, rising heat of the waters of our body. When I take a longer exhale, when my diaphragms are given permission to truly undulate and move, my vagus nerve sends a serum to my heart. My heart lets that serum imprint into my blood to go to my brain, to go to my nervous system, to lower my rates of inflammation. Hear this again, to take a longer exhale lowers your rate of inflammation. 
which can then take us off the path of disease process. We will get sick, yes, absolutely. But can we do everything we can to stay well? The past two years have been challenging. So I don't know when you're listening to this podcast. So for me, the past two years are 2018 and we're in 2019. A lot of people have had a rough time. There's been a lot of grief and a lot of loss. The rise in the conversation in and threat around climate change. There are lunatics posing as leaders. It is a chaotic, noisy, stressful world. And as I do this podcast, we're in the middle of the maelstrom. It's stormy. So my strategy for the past two months, assisted by the understanding that my inflammation has gone high, so I can feel it in my fascia, I feel it in my lack of mobility, particularly in my back fascial train, the one that goes from jaw down to Achilles tendons, but in fact not even just jaw, imagine from your Achilles tendon all the way up over the top of your head into the eyebrows where you get that really good tension headache, you know that one. So it's tight, it's immobile. What I'm doing, because I want to release this pattern, I want to stop living in what if. I want to rebalance in what is. So I've been saying, isn't that interesting? Financial stress comes up. Isn't that interesting? I wonder what the opportunity is that is being presented to me. Because first and foremost, I believe that I am part of a forest. There are always branches that should be dying off, and equally there are always branches that should be being birthed. So what is it that I should release? Because I believe that this cycle is not sinister. I don't think that nature is conspiring to harm me. I don't think my life is conspiring to harm me. I do think it is conspiring to transform me. So when stress comes up, I wonder, what is the invitation for me now? What do I need to release? What branches can I draw so that I can focus more for myself on what is? And then I breathe. I'm not getting spun out. And here's the other thing, is my mind is then more flexible. I'm not feeling trapped as that one branch, like I'm hanging on that one branch that is going to drop. I have a whole forest. There's an entire forest to support me. So then I can sit back and I can act by responding. That Not reacting, right? That forest needs diversity. So how might I diversify and time and again I am shown that I have every reason to trust, every reason to unfreeze, 
every reason to get those stingrays moving. How about the one inside of your skull, above your ears? What about the soft palate? These are all diaphragms. So in the roof of your mouth, right? How do you get that moving like a stingray or the jellyfish? The arches of your feet. Find your most subtle places of unwinding and letting go. And you will find your most profound place. And hear me in this. You are supported. You are held. You are loved. You are supported. You are held. You are loved. You are supported. You are held. And you are loved. Om Shanti. Namaste.